My name is Linda Nardelli. I'm a spiritual counselor and the author of Mystical Intimacy. I combine channeling with integrative healing to bring you in-depth understanding of the important role that our human nature plays in connecting and tuning to the guidance of spirit. My key interest is integrating spirituality into our everyday life and addressing questions such as, why am I here on earth? Who am I? What is my purpose? And how do I become open to the higher frequency of soul essence and, and ultimately of love? In this episode, I explore multidimensional time and expansion with my guest, Colin McClive. Colin is a co-founder and CEO of Innovations T, an advanced technology solutions provider focused on free energy, water, food, and health. He describes himself as an entrepreneur and an intrapreneur, <laughs> and I see him as a visionary, a man devoted to spiritual understanding and integration. It is this commitment, his commitment to pioneering the new earth that led me to invite Colin to join me here today. Welcome. Well, hello, Linda. Nice to see you again. Yes, Colin. I'm so stoked that you've agreed to be my guest. How could I not? <laughs> <laughs> you, you put your book in front of me and asked me to read chapter one. And of course, I had to read the, the opening, the welcome, and, and then kept going beyond chapter one all the way through the end of the book and did that very quickly in the, in the space of about two and a half days. So uh, it was quite an introduction to not only you and the work that you're doing, but Messi and Dia as well. And I was very grateful for that opportunity. Mm, I love your enthusiasm and just, and also your, how can I put it? When you first told me, oh yeah, yeah, I just read the first three chapters and on you go. And now we began here, you mentioned the whole book and I just really love your, I get the sense of how much you commit and engage with anything you're a part of. Absolutely. It's a hundred percent or none at all. <laughs> and why not? Right. <laughs> After all, we are here on this planet in these bodies for purpose. <laughs> and yes. Why not explore it? Yeah. And isn't that what mystical intimacy is about? It, absolutely. Absolutely. So you said earlier you wrote some notes. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts, what the insights, any, any ways that you were moved by the book or any questions that you may have. Well, yeah. The first thing that um, really got my attention uh, as I started reading through this was the breadth of the book itself. So the multiple topics, how they were presented, how you took the topics of why we're here, our purpose, <laughs> uh, things like trust and healing and our relationship with Earth or Gaia how that all interacts. I read that very carefully and, and uh, paid very close attention to it because not only is it very interesting, uh, I mean, more than interesting, it's very compelling for me, but I also saw a lot of similarities to other things that I've explored over the past 40 years or so. So my random walk through spirituality started with Seth and I mean, it started with questions like, what's going on? <laughs> and why do I feel a little different or a little strange? And then it, it started to progress with Seth. And over the years, it's been many other things, including Cryon and Abraham Hicks and even the, the Celestine Prophecy, which is a great book. But what I really appreciate about the way you and Messendia 
went through this was to talk about the big picture and then get very quickly into specifics about your life and the challenges that you faced or chose to face in this incarnation and how you work with Masindia to, I don't want to say overcome, but integrate them and understand your purpose and how to work with your specific skills and capabilities to resolve, heal, move on, improve, evolve through those experiences. But then how you took it into your clients' experiences as well. So throughout it was the big picture, back into specific examples, plenty of how-tos, which was great. I really enjoyed the question of, well, what do you do with this? Or how do you do that? So there was that. And then bringing it back to, in the end, it's all about love. Yes. I really enjoyed that closing of the circle or opening of the next circle with that focus on love is healing. So, mm-hmm. That's what I enjoyed. Well, you know, my whole intention with the book evolved, but I kept coming back to the exact word that you use integration. I'd look at this incredible esoteric, expansive message the spirits were giving me. And I knew in this body, in this human incarnation, I have a responsibility to it. Mm-hmm. And how can I live that with grace? And how can I live that, that teaching? So it's not just something I expose, but something I embody. So that's exactly yeah, the perfect word, integration. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I, I think you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's in there. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. But, you know, there were things that, that really struck me about this and realizations that I've had even in the past year of how everything from the atom up through molecules to cells to tissues to systems to planets to galaxies to universes to the multiverse there's consciousness imbued in everything and it's such a beautiful thing for me to think about that and contemplate it because you know when i look at something as small as a water molecule there's consciousness in water Yes. And we are made up of a a large part of what makes us up is water. And for me, thinking in terms of if there's consciousness everywhere and in everything, then my question becomes, how do I, as a human being in this particular body, how do I leverage that or use the leverage of that energy and that consciousness to move forward with my evolution and purpose? But how does that relate to a much bigger picture? And I think all the way to the multiverse level of how does my particular action right now impact a much greater story that is part of divinity? Mm -hmm. I'm curious about your thoughts on that, because that was kind of a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm understanding is you're saying that you're looking through the lens of purpose when you look at the smallest particle to the great expanse of the universe. Mm -hmm. And you didn't say this, but it's like the symbiotic relationship they all hold. I think it's something that you're aware of and curious about. For me, my spirituality is nature. My spirituality is seeing, sensing the divine spark in everything. So I'm with you. I'm on board with what you're saying is is in the First Nations, their whole mythology is that spirit exists in all things, in every little thing. And I see that in In quantum physics, they're seeing the essence, the God code in all that exists. So I'm curious of the interrelationship with everything and the purpose and the synergies. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, I I see too. And I love the, I love your focus on curiosity throughout the book. 
<laughs> to me, the purposeful life is one filled with curiosity. And I, I've seen reference to the term seeker as opposed to knowing, but seeking all the time. And so I've purposefully put myself in the in situations where I'm seeking knowledge or I'm seeking an experience that is aligned with what I'm working on or what I'm doing and, and uh, the, the purpose behind that. So as I was reading your book, I kept thinking, all right, so she's writing this book with Mazin Dia and there is a great story here. There's great instruction. But as you went through this, how did your life unfold? How did your life change? And since you've written the book, how have you taken this knowledge on its intended course? Well, these are big questions. But you didn't yeah. think I was going to show up with nothing, <laughs> did you? <laughs> no. I was expecting big questions, just not the what of. And I love it. I love it. You know, this book took a long time to be birthed. It took a very long time. By the time that I published it, it was 12 years. Wow. It was quite a magical big, number. Yes. Yes. And it's been in the last two years of its creation that I was working with a substantive editor and she was asking me very difficult questions. What do you mean by this passage? And what does Mass India mean by this passage? And forcing me to really digest the material for myself and for the reader. Now, the reader's going to have his or her own experience, but I had an opportunity to not skim this, mm-hmm. to live it in so many ways. Like chapter seven is a good example of my living experience with the book because the chapter's on faith. And that's what I, so I wrote my experience right there, first beginning of the chapter. It's, I didn't believe Mass India had chosen the right person. I was convinced. This is crazy. I said to them, I don't have faith. I'm, I'm not a faithful person. I said to them, and they just let me wallow in that and let me ponder that. And I got to discover faith is not something I have any chart control over. Faith is not something that I dictate. Faith is my partner and faith is always there. <laughs> And I got to see how many ways that I was receiving faith support and guidance and how much it was a big part of my life. Not necessarily in how things were manifesting for me, there were challenges. But I had this idea that if I was being challenged, if there was difficulty, then my faith wasn't strong enough or my faith or there was something wrong. The book taught me that there's nothing wrong with me. The book taught me there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with people. I may need to set a boundary around somebody's behavior, and I might even have to set that with myself. And my faith tells me about that. My faith alerts me to that. My body sensations alert me to that. The biggest gift I got from this book, learning that being human is not the weak link in our spirituality, that it's the partnership needed. And it took me those many years, and it took me to the end of writing the book, to the very end of the chapter on love, to be able to see the journey I'd been on, to see what the cells of my body and my spirit in this human nature had been discovering. Mm-hmm. And, and how it's showing up now is, is I get to share that with people. And I get to forget all of this and open my book and read it as though for the first time. Like, I know this. I just forgot. I get to remember and re-remember And I had to fall in love with that journey and not expect to have arrived at any obscure destination that I think I should have arrived at. Was was there a a moment where you came to that realization? A moment. 
Was there a, a switch, a catharsis that you just said, oh, that's exactly it? <laughs> I'm not going to say there was a moment. There were moments all aligning and adding up to there's you know when you have an epiphany and the next day you forget it you have an awareness and then you're like what was that and then pieces of the puzzles come together Mm -hmm. something that someone says and experience something you say to someone and all comes together for me it was more gradual like in that way yeah the the reason i'm asking that is is twofold one is i came to that point of We are eternal souls having human experiences by design, and we accept amnesia and forget who we really are so that our experiences can expand the universe. Our souls are over souls, the universe. And so now I kind of live that way, which is I'm an eternal soul. I've done this before. I've played around in multiple, (laughs) multiple planets, multiple galaxies, and all these experiences are working towards an expansion, not only of my soul and my oversoul, but of the universe and all that, all that is. There's that. But I'm also curious about your clients and how they interact with not only you and Mazindia, but also the book. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's, so first of all, it's a very expansive book and there's a lot there. Like you just said, you open it up and said, wow, that's great. Did I write that? But <laughs> Yeah. It, it is a pretty good guidebook. <laughs> I hope Matthew doesn't thank me for saying that. It's a great <laughs> guidebook. Um, but how do your how do your clients, you know, what what sort of realizations do they have about the nature of their reality or the nature of reality? And where does your individual work with them take take them and where does the book take them? Well, let me take you back. Just so I want to hear you with it. So for you, it's been more of a of a sense of awakening and epiphanies that have really shifted your reality. And it seems like you can go back in life and pinpoint exactly those times. Many of them, yeah. Many of them. So there's been many. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think, and I look back at the trajectory of your life, I imagine that, let's say, 10 years after you read the Seth material, the Seth material was something you, you sought and opened you it must have resonated for the level of commitment you would have put into it. And then let's say six years, 10 years, 12 years later, you come across another book or something someone says, and would you say it deepen the resonance? Yes, deepen the resonance and deepen the curiosity. So I'll say this, that in the past four and a half, almost five years now, my level of knowledge because of my exploration and my curiosity and relentless pursuit of understanding, (laughs) you know, not not just familiarity, but understanding and knowledge. That has propelled my sense of self greatly. Mm -hmm. And even in the past year and a half to two years, yeah, even in the past year, where I've gone with this has been just deeper and deeper and deeper or up higher and higher and higher, but it's, it's really expanded things. So coming to your book, coming to you and, and your book was a re or an enhancement of the foundational work. And uh, in some cases, a different take on things that I I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could also make the connections to other information, other books, other speakers who mm-hmm. have provided me with things. So it's a much bigger picture that I'm drawing 
And what your book has done is just reinforced a lot of a lot of what I've seen. Yeah. So to go back to your question, how my clients experience, like, and even my own experience of the book, the word that's coming to me that I mentioned earlier is resonance. Mm-hmm. I, I use that word more often than epiphanies, more often than awakenings. I look for hmm, what resonates because that's what propels us. I think resonance lives at the root of our longings. And if we can embrace that relationship, can become more aware of that source resonance within ourselves, I think it draws us to exactly where we need to be. So as you're describing the last few years of just coming into such awareness, I join you, I share that with you. I feel that with you. That's what I was looking for in writing this book. It's like opening that feeling quality within the reader, opening, touching that resonance. I think that's where alignment exists and that's where we can align with our purpose and where we can walk that path. Yeah, super important. The longing, the desires, the the questioning, to me, that always leads to, that leads to the next next synchronicity, the next chance encounter (laughs) with somebody who crosses the path and provides some, metaphorically, a door opening. A door opening. Which makes it, it, to me, it makes it a lot of fun. I'm curious, there was a lot in the the book about overcoming fear up up front and associating that with, so I'm I'm curious how you work with your your clients around overcoming fear. I empathize. Mostly I empathize. To me, it's, oh, wow, of course they're feeling afraid. To me, it's, I normalize the human experience. I quote um, Georgia O'Keefe in my book, who said that she was terrified of everything all her life. She's an American artist. And I love her work. And I loved hearing she was terrified of everything all her life. I saw myself in that. And then she said, but I haven't let it stop me from doing what I wanted to do. Right. And she, she's very accomplished. <laughs> yes. And when I think of being excited about the door openings, I think of your courage to step through them. And what I've seen a lot of people Let's just say that's um, a missing link or it's um, missing links, not the right. Well, I'll, I'll choose that language. A missing link in the fruition of their longing is the non-curiosity of the unknown, mm. wanting their lives, wanting to have some control over their lives. You wouldn't have come into your work with free energy if you were needing to stay connected to the familiar perception of reality as it is for some level of security and comfort. So often my work with people is to just stay there, observe that they're hanging on and that's it. And to make that okay. It's like, you're really hanging on. Mm -hmm. We can't resolve new problems with the old mindset. Wasn't that Einstein Einstein that said that? (laughs) You can't... (laughs) Paraphrase, yeah. Paraphrase. So so I get to observe, I get to witness, this is what's going on here without the need to change it. Mm -hmm. And to trust people are hanging on for their own reasons. The way to see it is that they have a really intelligent, subconscious, self-protector, survival mechanism in place. If I could witness how intelligent that survival mechanism is, then I could see them as a whole person 
and witness there's so much more going on than the limitations, their fear, their any ways that they're holding back. There's so much more going on. They're mm-hmm. daring to confess that to me. They're daring to be honest with themselves about their experience. And to me, there's something just so beautiful about that. And do you find that in the conversations, in the, the empathetic conversations, that their longings, their desires, their dreams start to emerge? Yes. Yes, they and, land in themselves. And does that help them get over over fears and concerns? And Yeah, it's helped me get over fears and concerns. <laughs> I have, I have a photograph of me as a kid, um, must have been a year and a half, a year old, in my mother's arms. And my mother was trying to be, bring me into the lake and I was screaming and screaming. <laughs> you know, the dark turpid unknown, oh my God, what's under there? It's a lake. <laughs> it's a lake. <laughs> it's not the ocean. <laughs> I've, got, I've learned I've had to be so patient with my fears, so patient with my limitations, so, so, so patient. An understanding. And then I get to experience more because if I'm patient with those parts of myself, then there's no resistor. Mm-hmm. Then there's space. Well, and I think too that, that your work with Mazindia is a big help for that. It is. Yes. I mean, you yes. have these wonderful conversations, you get guided. I found that the conversations that I have with my higher self and my guides gives a, a level of confidence that helps overcome any hesitations. Mm-hmm. That you And from that guidance, from that connection, that brings you back to what resonates, that brings you back to your sense of truth, your sense of matters. And it keeps yeah. open the, it keeps open that communication of intuitions. So especially over the past eight, nine months, with the help of a now good friend of mine, I've seen, been taught, and practiced the listening of of intuitions from my guides. And that's substantial. You know, mm-hmm. it goes back to this, we, my, my knowledge, <laughs> more than belief, it is, okay, we're eternal souls having human experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of my questions originally was, all right, if we did this, then for the sake of what? And when you start answering that question, mm-hmm. you start getting, right, well, you have, you came into this body or I came into this body with certain capabilities, with certain skills, with certain abilities to do things. Yeah. What was the intent? And in those questions, the unfolding of the purpose started to happen for me. And I could see the patterns from when I was a kid through my teenage years, through my early adult years, I could see the patterns start to unfold or unfold and then their relevance and the resonance mm. <laughs> of those patterns to today. And how they serve purpose, how they serve your development, your curiosities. Yeah. And I'm curious, my turn to be curious. As you're open to the guidance, as you expand your your ability to attune, which then opens doors and to connections and possibilities, how do you experience that in your body? Oh, there's a, a level of peacefulness and equanimity that propels me to take action. So a lot of me is in doing. <laughs> I like doing things. And I also appreciate that part of our being is in the contrasts. So I've had really extraordinary accomplishments in my life and I've had really challenging situations and they go like this. 
And it's in the contrast that is the learning. And so when I'm experiencing a situation that isn't, you know, exactly what I want, <laughs> I've, I've learned to ask for guidance, to look for the synchronicities, to see beyond what is visible <laughs> and look for the opening for, for knowledge and, and experience. And so that's where that's taken me, is that it's taken me to ability to see, I'll, I'll use that term lightly, but see beyond. Mm -hmm. The word that was coming to me is giving you the opportunity to be the observer, the witnessing self that isn't evaluating the, the challenge as right or wrong. Yeah. Or putting you in a state where you're then addicted to just that good experience. You're able to stand in between and see the patterns, the synchronicities, see so much more. Right. And, and I'll equate, I'll relate that to things that you wrote about, which is time, past, present, future. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've learned to do and really appreciate is that all experience exists. Everything exists in the point of now. And I think you touched on it in the, in the book is that you can actually rewrite the past. Yes. So I do that. I look at those experiences that I remember, quote, remember, and I, in a number of situations have actually changed them. Well, I know <laughs> because I experience it. <laughs> I know that in the reworking of that past, it changes the present. And I've also been able to draw from the future. Mm hmm into this point of now. Yeah. So that's something else that's pretty exciting for me to, to live in that sort of multidimensional point of now continuum that enables a lot, a lot of magic to happen. And I'll use that term lightly, but or loosely, but magic. It's magic. I mean, we're creating yeah. stuff. We're creating. So co-creating with the co-creating with the guides. Yeah. My guides and my higher self is part of this fun. It's fun hearing you because it really um crystallizes for me, why I asked you to join me <laughs> is that I... Because I was a little off. <laughs> no, I celebrate this about you. You're working in such an alternative technology, doing it from a deeply spiritual foundation perspective. And now when you're talking about having done work with your past, we're talking about healing. We're talking about mm -hmm. wholeness, to return to wholeness we need to be able to give those past parts of us the energy needed. Those past parts of us didn't have or the wisdom and understandings those aspects of us didn't have. So those past parts that still exist here now can have a different experience of that situation that arose at the time. And it's not only healing for us individually, but as you pointed out in the book, healing of families, healing of lineages. Yes. It, it has really significant things. And I, I think part of our being here on the planet at this time and going through this shift of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius is we all have that opportunity. Actually, we wrote it in our agreements yes. <laughs> to explore ways of healing the past and the lineages of our past experiences. So I think, you know, I think that's really, that's really valuable to come to that. For me, it was very valuable to come to that realization that by being here on this planet at this time, we have an opportunity to not only explore the probable realities that are right there in front of us, 
that we can draw to ourselves, but also heal the past realities that are part of our Akashic records, a part of our karmic history, and just change all that for the better of yeah. the betterment of the greater good. Yeah. I say that to, to my clients. I say there's often times when ancestral programming shows up in session. The instinct is to change it, clear it, fix it. Or like, why am I going through that again? There's often a despair and a discouragement. And try to help people understand is your grandmother's here again, or your great grandfather's here again, because they don't understand what you understand. They don't have that awareness yet. So how can we pass that on? How can we hold a sacred space here for all these facets that make up your matrix to arise to have kind of like a lift off to this next stage of evolution. Mm-hmm. There's often this concept that we're going to leave the old world behind. We're going to leave the Piscean world behind. We're going to leave the abuse behind. We're going to leave the suffering behind. But this, we're just perpetuating duality. We're perpetuating abandonment, rejection. Asindia says we can't get rid of anything. We can't leave anything behind because all that we were and all that has made us also yearns for the light of consciousness, also yearns for the love that we're opening to. Yeah. And good, bad, right, and wrong is a, is a point of view. Yeah. Good, bad, right, and wrong is a point of view. And what I may perceive as a wrong to me from the perspective of the other person may have been perfectly acceptable. Yes. <laughs> so it gets back to my point earlier about the contrast is that we experience contrasts and there's, there's deep learning in the contrast. And part of, I'll expand a little bit, but part of the contrast is to begin to do two things. One is to really appreciate what we prefer at multiple levels. And then the other, which I've seen a lot of recently, is that we have the opportunity to narrow the gap between the extremes of light and dark. Yes, yes. And my reference to the age of Pisces and the age of Aquarius is more along those lines. It is that we don't eliminate light and dark because the contrast is what helps the universe and all that is grow and expand. But we narrow the extremes. So to me, we always want in this this universe, in this reality, having those contrasts is important, Mm. but you just don't want, it's not necessarily good to have an extreme because one can take over the other. And Yeah, it's the contrast. And at the same time, we don't want to be so comfortable in the middle. There's something yeah, about then, the dream here felt as a whole, an intensity of experiencing that's needed for expansion, for change, for shifting. Yeah. You know, I think of you going into the past, changing the past, however that looked for you, my sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my sense is that in that process, you got to be more expansive in your experience of emotions, in your experience of the thought process you've had through your life, in your experience of those incidents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a, there was a greater level of discernment. Mm-hmm. So rather being impetuous and having a, a bad ending <laughs> yeah. or a, an abbreviated life, there's a level of discernment that is, all right, doing something a little differently actually opened up more to that particular life or that particular set of experiences. Mm-hmm. So rather than seeing that, that which happened in the past needs to be fixed, 
Rather, it needs to be integrated into your experience here and now so that it fascinates me. They're interconnected. And I want to pause here for a minute because I could well appreciate that for a listener listening to us right now. There are so many people that say to me, oh, but all this time being all here now is so confusing. I don't understand it. And what I want to say to listeners is that complexity isn't meant to be understood logically. You aren't drawn to rewriting your past in this way from a logical perspective. You learned of a technique or you learned of an understanding of all time and you were compelled. That compelling resonance is what moved you. And that belongs in, I'm going to say, the, the deeper realms of our being that move beyond this rational concept of time and space. Our linear perceiving ego mind doesn't have to understand this to consider that there's something bigger, larger going on than our perceived perception of time and space. Yeah, it's, it's just a construct of this reality so that we can experience things in a linear way. Yeah. Whereas when we're on the other side of the veil, it all exists all at the same time. And you, it all exists. Yeah. <laughs> There's no time. Yeah. <laughs> it all just exists. And you've tapped into that through your meditation, through your higher self, your spirit guide. Taking. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So that leads me to something else that I wanted to say. One of the, one of the things that I've found to be extraordinarily valuable is daily meditation. Yeah. You kind of start the day and end the day with thankfulness, gratitude, connectedness and asking what's up (laughs) what what do you want me to know today Uh, and it's amazing how between Gaia the creative source guides higher self answers come mm -hmm. answers come so I'm curious how you what you do what your practices are and how you how you work with your clients around that my main meditation, I'd say, is a way of being or a way of life, more so than a practice. It's not to say that I don't sit down and meditate. I, I have a, a mostly daily, sometimes it depends on my flow, where I do a chakra balancing. And I find that that just helps me stay. And I just sit in a tune. My interest is attuning throughout the day is whatever feeling that I connected to in my meditation in the mornings, usually I want to bring that to my day. So one of the biggest things that I do is tracking, tracking conversations, tracking things that are show up, tracking my moods, tracking if I have judgments, curious about that. So it's a matter of the witnessing self that keeps track of it all, not to evaluate it, but to be spacious about it's a choice. So that's one of my main things. And one of the ways that I'm able to do that is by leaning into whatever shows up, really giving myself permission to feel it and experience it so that I'm not rejecting anything. That's my main thing. And how I bring that to my clients, how a lot of my clients and the people that I know, I see it again. I teach people how to lean into their experience. What I've come across, and I have a sense that so have you, As we lean into something, a discomfort, a contrast, a not knowing what to do, an uncertainty, um, 
some, you know, coming across somebody's judgment, whatever it is, mm-hmm. something not turning out the way we want to, is if we can lean into that, we welcome it. And if we can welcome it, we welcome more. And if we can welcome more, we receive guidance. When I think of you receiving guidance, I think of you opening yourself. And in, o- in order to open yourself, you can't be rejecting any feelings. You can't be rejecting any contrast. You can't be rejecting the past that may show up in the present or the projection of the past into the future. Really, by opening to guidance is you become curious about what your mind is doing. Mm-hmm. And I say that to people who are struggling with meditation. I say, just sit and observe your mind. Don't do anything. You know, my mind distracts me. Let it. Be curious about where it's distracting you. Even then I start doing my shopping list or this or that or this and that. Oh, let's be curious about that. So your mind is alerting you to making sure that you take care of your grocery needs. Mind is alerting you to the necessity to nourish yourself. Doesn't that feel good? And they're looking at me like, what? Oh, it does feel good. That's really funny. From that perspective. So your mind's bringing up a conversation that you're worried about. Bringing up your boss. Your boss is going to be annoyed with you with this, that, or whatever. I'm like, oh, isn't it interesting that you're worried? So this situation, this person is really important to you. Yeah, that person is important to you. How does that feel? And dropping into that more and more, we find ourselves feeling so calm and peaceful (laughs) because we're not trying to change it. And feeling is the key word. You write about this a lot in the book, but feeling is part of what we're here to do and experience. And that provides clues, it provides guidance as to how to be in situations and how to accept them or work through them or discern something about them. Yeah, yeah, it does. You mentioned the word discerning a number of times and it does take the feeling quality, the feeling into our experience. How, how else can we discern? Oh, you're going to love this story. I, oh, I write about it in my book. So you read the story, I'll tell you again. Okay. <laughs> remember, I did read over 300 pages in less than two days. I can't and expect so you to remember. Two days. <laughs> well, I did a, a workshop. I did a, a healing circle, I called it, where I do group channeling for, there was, I think, maybe 35, 40 people. And at the very beginning, somebody comes to me and tells me that she's a skeptic. It was very interesting is that I had done a process with a colleague of mine around my fear of people being skeptical so I just looked up to the heavens. Really? Are you bringing me a skeptic? Okay. Okay. I receive. Okay. And then I did something that surprised me. I told everyone, I said, oh, by the way, just so everybody knows, there is a skeptic in the room. And I didn't look her way. And I put my hand up. And I said, okay, with me, that makes two. <laughs> Any others? And they're looking at me like they don't know what I'm on. They're all, we're, it's a spiritual circle. They're supposed to be open. And I'm telling them that there are two, there's two skeptics in the room and nobody was putting their arm up. I'm like, so none of you are skeptics? Oh, I don't believe that. So I played it and I had so much fun. Now, had I been evaluating her skepticism wrong? Oh my God, I have to fix this for change. I got to do something about it. I would have never played And I would have never taught the group what I taught them, which is that skepticism has two sides. Skepticisms 
has two sides. One of them is being closed-minded, close-hearted, shut down. And the other is being discerning. Oh, I said, I don't want anybody here to be gullible. We wouldn't want that. Mm -hmm. So your skepticism, your uncertainty, doubt are welcomed, I'm saying to everybody. Everything is welcomed. Our hurt, our fear, our anger, our frustrations. I had a client spend the first 20 minutes of a 90-minute session apologizing for being angry about something. Tell me she knew that it wasn't very spiritual. I was almost in tears hearing her. <laughs> and it's and who's decided it's not spiritual? I wonder what your anger is communicating. What is it saying? What is it alerting you to? What if there's guidance at the very heart of your anger? And appreciating the the disharmony of the situation that would cause her to be angry. Yes. So I like what you, I like what you do, which is asking questions. Well, how does that feel? What does that mean? Right? Yeah. I, I think that's very extraordinarily valuable for people to explore, which is when they feel out of harmony. Mm-hmm. Asking the question, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Because that question goes beyond. It doesn't just roll around inside. It goes beyond. And it's there that intuition shows up. It's there that guidance shows up. Yes. The, it's and, and it's also that, that moment of stepping back Maybe taking a deep breath, stepping back and being the observer, having a pause and being the observer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's seeking and observing. It's like breathing. Mm-hmm. It's breathing in, taking in, exploring, and we need to exhale and rest and let go. Yeah. So I have a question for you. I hope I have an answer. <laughs> So going back to reading the book in three days, in the last three days, what would you say that gift was for you? Well, first of all, the, there were, I think, three gifts in this. One was the request from you to participate as after reading the first chapter. That was a gift because it propelled me to uh, open into a different way. The, the second was in reading the book, I gained insight. I gained experience and knowledge from what you had done, what Mavendia had, had provided. And then the third was a reinforcement of many things that I've seen elsewhere, but also differences. There are differences in language, differences in examples, differences in the intent was the same, but just differences. And, and again, contrasts which enabled me to go back and say, all right, well, I saw that in Cryon. I read about this in the, the, the Flower of Life, Drunvalo's book, which I found brilliant. Abraham Hicks approached it this way. Longing is desired. You're right. It, it gave yeah. me a chance to compare and contrast and evaluate and then deepen my understanding into further knowledge. So those are the three gifts. Mm, deepen your understanding of your, of your own knowledge. Yeah. I could feel Massidia wanting to join us here to key in on that gift. I'm just going to tune in and bring them through. Mm, my dear friend, my dear friend, your knowledge is deep, wide, accumulated throughout many lifetimes. 
you're indeed a very old soul and you have come here not so much to learn but to remember to remember what you know and to pass it on through how you live in many ways we could say you are this book this book is who you are and in joining here today with Dofila that's our name for Linda you're crystallizing the healing the vibration of the book into matter even more into its fruition through people's lives deepening the healing gift all the more throughout so many probabilities readers listeners and equally broadening your own field of consciousness by giving yourself permission to know what you know and share it and join within the alchemy of its deepening and understanding for others because you don't want this awakened knowledge for you alone mm. you want to share it you want to see it light up in others you want to see a new world consciousness not from the perspective that this world is bad or wrong but simply because there is a fruition that's needed a new stage of evolution that's needed and you're one of its pioneers and many of the people that will be drawn to listening to this particular podcast will be drawn to be remembered to be shown back to themselves who they are there are many seekers many highly sensitive beings many of the light beings star beings come to earth many of the serve of those that are here to serve gaia are born of gaia's essence nature spirits in this human form many 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 beings that don't see themselves in daily life they don't see themselves in the world systems as they are they see themselves in a greater multidimensional expression of reality which is exactly who you are Colin thank you thank you and you know that's exactly right the intent of doing this was to share yes and share the light share the And, and encourage people to be more, even more curious. Yes. It just makes it a lot of fun. So thank you, Mavindia. I appreciate that. <laughs> and thank you for joining me. I, I love your curiosity and your openness. I celebrate that in you. Oh, thank you. And, and likewise, the work that you've done, the work in producing this book, but the experiences you've, you've been through to get to this point, really extraordinary. And I applaud you for doing, you know, not only doing what you've, what, what you've done, but doing what you're doing and what you will do, because it is a catalyst for a, a greater good, a, a higher vibration, a higher consciousness on the planet, not only on the planet, but also the galaxy and the universe. Yeah. So yeah. thank you very much. The Body Soul Podcast is brought to you by Linda Nardelli. You can find out more about her book, Mystical Intimacy, on her website, lindanardelli.com, and on Amazon. The podcast is her deepening exploration of the book's messages and the teachings of Masindia, 
Music for this episode is from the Purple Planet Collection, written and performed by Chris Martin and Jeff Harvey, and the podcast editing by Igor Masharyakov.